we want to take a moment and thank you for visiting Cross Life with us today. We pray that this message will really reach out and touch you and that God will work through this message and let you hear what you need to hear. Him and my brother were at Fruitland together. They were in class together. They, they graduated together, all this stuff. And uh, Benny came. I invited him three years ago. He didn't want anything to do with us then. Um, but now he does. And um, uh, Benny's been growing, and, and I'm thankful to give him over the pulpit this morning. I've been on vacation, and uh, it was a refreshing week. And uh, honestly, I didn't want to come back home. Um, uh, but but we're here today, and, and we love yeah. you, and we're, we're thankful to, to be here today. So I'm going to give it over to Benny uh, right now. So uh, you give your attention to him this morning, and I'm going to go sit down for a change. I, I actually, uh, he, he mentioned last night that he was uh, just going to go back to the beach, and I made some uh, realistic threats that he probably didn't really want to have to deal with. Not that I was going to hurt him, but that he was just going to have to deal with, and I don't think he was ready to uh, accept that. So, uh, uh, Thomas, thank you again for the opportunity to be able to um, uh, bring God's word. It's been a, it's not, I'm not going to lie, it's been a tough week uh, for sermon prep. And, and I have had uh, my Bible and notebook in my hands every day this week. Uh, praying and seeking what the Lord would have me to to talk about this morning, and uh, sometimes it's uh, it's just not as simple as it would be, or simple as it would seem when it comes time to uh, prepare a sermon. and And if if uh, you've uh, ever had to prepare your own Sunday school lesson, whether it be for adults or children, uh, then you probably can understand what it means when it comes time to developing or, or preparing a sermon to uh, bring before a congregation and uh, even out across uh, the World Wide Web. Um, it's uh, one of those things that uh, can set fear into you, but if you pay attention and you trust God and you, you're, you're prayed up and, and uh, trusting the Lord, then he's going to make a way. He's going to provide a peace that passes all understanding, and he's going to give you the strength to see through what he's called you to do. So after I had, uh, had, had already settled on a passage, um, and, and I had settled on a title, because I had went back through all of Thomas's titles for, for this series, The Power of One, and... Apparently, I skipped over lesson number two or, or, or sermon number two because that was the title that I had chosen and he had already used. So uh, the power of one is what we're going to look at. But but the fact is this morning, um, and I'll tell you, we're, we're going to be in Acts chapter eight if you want to be finding your place. Something that uh, just to kind of break the ice here a little bit has not much to do with uh, our, our lesson other than telling you to pay attention to what's uh, going on around you or going on in your life. And my wife's going to roll her eyes when I tell you this. One evening this week, we decided that we were going to go to the grocery store. And put my shoes on, didn't think nothing about it, went on to the grocery store, walked all through the grocery store, 
And when I got done, my left toes had begun to hurt. And for me, that's sort of unusual because I have diabetic neuropathy in my feet and legs. And, and for me to actually feel that my toes were hurting, something wasn't right. So when I got home and I sat down in the chair, I took my shoe off. And the socks from the day before were stuffed <laughs> stuffed up in the front of the tennis shoe. And Taylor just looks at me and she said, really? I'm like, what? Well, I, I, you know, that puts the most numb. I didn't realize, you know, what was causing the problem. I just realized that it was something. And so tying it into the sermon as best I can before I start, keep in mind whatever your body is telling you, listen to it, stop and look for sure. And then also when the beckoning of the Holy Spirit or the word from God comes down to you, you better listen. You better do what God is calling you to do because if you don't, uh, look at uh, what happened to our friend Jonah when uh, he was re refused to do what God had sent called him to do what God was doing, sending him somewhere. And he decided that he was not going to go, and he got eaten up by a whale. Now, for those naysayers that say that that's not possible, did y'all see that on the news this week? Man got swallowed by a humpback whale. And he took him to the top of the water, evidently didn't like his taste, and spit him back out. But uh, to me, that... Uh, there, there is no other um, argument for that story then. We don't know what type of big fish that was, but we know that it can happen. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through verse 40. And the if you've, if you've been a Christian very long and have read through the book of Acts, uh, it is the interaction with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And I want us to understand a few things from this passage today and, and take with us that, uh, excuse me, primarily when, when God says to do something, we don't waste time, we don't uh, uh, cry and, and moan and, and whine, and I don't need any uh, uh, of my family uh, portraying the peanut gallery this morning because... This could fit me very well, um, but I don't want—I uh, don't want us to think that whatever God calls us to do, we should—we should automatically step forward and do it, rather than waiting, rather than putting it on hold, rather than than well, let's put a pin in it, just go ahead and do it. Your life would be so much simpler. Ran from my calling to preach for two years, and. Uh, it, it was tough, not going to lie. It was tough. But I thank God for the day that I did surrender and that he was able to call me out and separate me and, and, and put me in a position to do just that. So uh, looking at chapter 8 of the book of Acts, we're going to start in verse 26, and I will, I will quickly read through these uh, 14 or 15 verses. Verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, 
saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come unto Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Verse 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. It was In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And verse 40, to finish out the chapter he says but philip was found at Az azotus and passing through he preached in all of the cities till he came to caesarea would you pray with me our father and our god we humbly come before your throne of grace asking you lord to speak through me today father lord don't allow benny to get in the way father you use, use me uh, so that Others may hear you. Others may see you. Lord, give me the exact words to say. Give me the strength. Uh, give me the courage. Father, help me as I seek to serve and glorify you in all that I do. Father, may you add the blessing to the reading of your word. Lord, that it might uh, further our knowledge of the kingdom of God. Father, that it might draw us into a closer, more perfect relationship with you. Have your will and your way in this service, Lord. And Father, if there be one today, just one, that don't know you as their personal Savior, one that has never accepted Jesus Christ, they've never recognized their lost condition, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation that today would be the day they would see their need for a Savior. And they would truly raise the white flag of surrender and give everything over to you. 
Father, we thank you and praise you for all you do for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So looking uh, back at verse 26, um, interestingly enough, when you think about, uh, let me move back to that page, when you think about where the where Philip started, recognizing that the Ethiopian eunuch had uh, been to Jerusalem to uh, worship God. But while he was there, there was something else that uh, piqued his interest, something else that, that drew his attention. And we see that he followed through with that and that he was willing to tried to get a better understanding of what was going on in his life and what was happening. And so if we look at verse 26, it said, And the angel of the Lord uh, spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the, uh, unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. Understand that that the route that, that was to be taken was desert, but in the end, when he got to Gaza, it was actually a, a city. And so he traveled through a, a dusty, dry desert uh, to get to where God had called him to be. So, looking at verse 26, he says, says that, the, that the angel, the command of God had come down uh, from, through the angel of the Lord. And uh, the angel of the Lord told Philip, he said, go south. Go south out of Jerusalem through the desert to the city of Gaza. And I think about these times uh, dur during, this, during this time of our, of our Savior's life. You see that he had uh, been in Jerusalem. And, in fact, to get to Gaza was not an easy trip. It was not a uh, uh, walk from here to the inner city of Salisbury or even a walk from here to the inner city of Lexington. We're going to go a little farther than that. We can go as far as saying it would have been a walk from here to because, in fact, that uh, the, the distance between the two cities is approximately 45 to 50 miles. And when God sent word through the angel for Philip to get up from whatever he was doing and said, it's time for you to go south, I need you to, to do something, Philip got up and, and said, okay, I'm, I'm going, no problem. Whatever it is that... Uh, uh, you're calling me to do. Here I am. I'm, I'm getting up to go. He did not hesitate. He did not uh, wait around. He, he didn't make excuses. He didn't uh, uh, bennyize things, if you will. Uh, and I'm sure you all are the same way in a lot of ways. You, you're asked to do something, and uh, uh, you put it off a, a little ways, and, and I'm Listen, my dad's sitting on the back row, and I worked for my dad for 10 years. He'll tell you, when he asked me to do something, it didn't always get done the first time. And then he had to raise his voice and put the fear of God in me. 
and then I would get up and go do whatever it was that he had asked me to do. Um, another big thing was taking notes. Somebody called or somebody said they're coming in. Uh, write it down. Don't think that your feeble mind can remember it. it, did, it, it I failed that several times. You see, when, when the angel of the Lord come to Philip, Philip recognized that it was of the utmost importance, that it was something that he needed to do uh, immediately. He didn't need to wait around. He didn't need to make excuses. He didn't need to, well, I, I think I need to use the bathroom before I leave, or, or I need to, uh, well, but we can't go there yet. We can't do this. We can't do that. It says he got up and he left. He arose and he left. So instead of making excuses today, whenever the Lord has called you to do something, whenever God has said, get up and go do it, Brent, when Cindy says, Brent, would you get up and go do this? Get up. Yes, sir. It's high, isn't it? Yeah, I understand. Um, we, when, when the fact is, when, when God has called us to do something, don't sit around. Don't hesitate. Don't drag your feet. Get up and go do it. I don't know if any of you have ever had, uh, I, it, it seems to me when it comes to witnessing to someone, uh, when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone, uh, God will poke and prod us for such a little while that this person needs to hear the gospel. This person needs to have the gospel shared with them. This person needs you to come alongside of them, lay your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. You may hear a story that someone's teaching, someone's telling you in a group of other uh, brethren, brethren or sisters, and in the end, being prompted uh, by the Holy Spirit to pray, yet you stop and don't. You Would you say, uh, uh, Brother Norman, that that would be quenching the Holy Spirit? You don't do what God has called you to do or what God has asked you to do. You actually... Uh, uh, Stand back and wait on someone else to do it. I'm not going, you know, if I'm standing here with the pastor of Cross Life Church and someone needs to hear the gospel, am I going to be the one that needs to step up and say, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me? Or is it something that I need to depend on Thomas to, to speak up and say something? Well, most of us is going. Most of us are going to say, "Hey, Thomas, why didn't you bring up the gospel message to this person? Why didn't you pray with this person?" And and Thomas has the right to look at us and say, "Aren't you born again? Aren't you capable of? Did the Holy Spirit beckon you, and you didn't do it when He called you to?" It's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, brother. It's a tough pill to, to, to swallow when we, when we fail to do what God has called us to do. Just think about the fact that this was a 45 to 50 mile trip. The angel of the Lord had come unto him and said, uh, uh, Philip, go south. Philip didn't know where, what he was going to do. Philip didn't know what uh, he was going to encounter when he got down south. Uh, Philip was just going to be busy about the work of the Lord and got up and said, okay, I'm going south. There was no hesitation. Look at verse 27. 
And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had, char who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now think about the importance of this man real quick. He was, a, a, he was an Ethiopian eunuch. Um, a eunuch is a, a man that uh, is no longer able to physically reproduce is the best way I could put it. Would you agree with that? The best, easiest way to explain it uh, in a mixed congregation. He says, he, he says that he uh, encountered this uh, Ethiopian eunuch who was of great authority. This was an important man under the queenship, if you will, of Candace. This was an important man because he was over all of her treasure, all of her gold, all of her valuables, all of her uh, uh, money, if you will. So being in the position this Ethiopian eunuch was in, do you think that he wanted for a whole lot? I, I personally don't think so. I think that he was, he was of the... Um, stature and the ability to uh, stand firm and, and, and realize that he had money or, or whatever would uh, his needs were, were going to be met because he was over over her money, over the treasure. And that is a huge, huge responsibility. You ever been uh, in charge of uh, uh, that type of, I mean, what we're talking about probably uh, in today's standards millions and millions of dollars. I've never had the ability to have that at my fingertips. Have any of y'all? Just to say, okay, here's uh, here's my belongings, here's my treasures. You just be over it. I've never had that ability. I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I've tried to get Thomas. I've tried my best for months to allow Thomas or to tell Thomas to allow me to. Uh, have control over his investments and what I mean y'all laugh I mean what I have asked of him and I think it's because Tiffany won't let him but what I have asked of him smart woman I mean really is to invest all of his savings all of his stock everything in cryptocurrency Bitcoin. Now, he has opportunity right now. I don't. I don't know what Bitcoin's at, but it was about thirty-five thousand or a little less per coin. I, I was thinking that that he could invest now and profit. You know, in the course of five or ten years, surely it's going to go up. I mean, I, I don't see why he would not be able to to come out of this. Uh, smelling like a rose he might be a broke rose but he could be smelling like a rose you know so so I don't know why he won't trust me with this but we've been going back and forth for six months at least trying to get him to to uh, invest in, in Bitcoin and, and he won't do it and quite frankly I'm a little I'm a little disappointed Thomas I thought for sure we could uh, uh, make some real money there. But looking at the fact that this Ethiopian was a very important man in the uh, um, 
kingdom or queendom, if you will, of Candace. Uh, she was queen of the Ethiopians. And it says he had her, he had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now he had come to Jerusalem to worship God, but not necessarily to worship Jesus. He did not truly, prior to this, understand who Jesus really was. Looking at verse twenty-eight, it says, continuing, it says that uh, he was returning from Jerusalem and he was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. If you've not read through the book of Isaiah, man alive, it's uh, it's it's good stuff. It really is. Um, take your time to do that at some point, um, even if you're not going to use the good the the good King Jimmy. Uh, Find you some type of uh, New King James or something and read through it. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth your time. You see, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch had been to, been, been to Jerusalem, had already understood that he had been there to worship Jesus, and in fact he had not truly, completely come to the understanding that he was lost until this point in time. He said uh, that that thinking of all that he had access to, all that he had, and, and he was still lost. So tells me that laying up your treasures in earth or on earth certainly isn't going to get you into heaven, is it? That's not going to be something that you can take advantage of. It's going to end up costing you in the long run because look at what happened to the rich man. I believe it is in the book of Luke uh, where Jesus told him, he said, you know, you've kept all the commandments, you, you've kept the law, sell all that you have and follow me. And the rich man couldn't do it, or wouldn't do it, I should say. So thinking of the life that this man had, then looking at 28 where he is on his way back from worshiping God in Jerusalem, uh, and he's reading through the book of Isaiah. Then verse 29, then the spirit of the Lord, or the, I'm sorry, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Well, obviously we know what spirit this was. This was the spirit of God. Uh, uh, some, some render it the, the spirit of Jesus. Um, but it says, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to his chariot. God, or Philip finally realizes the reason that he was told by the angel uh, back up in verse 26 prior to his 50-mile journey to Gaza, now he realizes what he had been called to do. He realizes why God was sending him down there, and that was to encounter the, the Ethiopian eunuch and add one or two possibly to the kingdom of God. He was not going on a, uh, a blind mission just to be sent out. He was going with the purpose he knew that he was going with a purpose, although he didn't know what that purpose was. He was going so that someone would make that decision to accept Christ as their Savior, and their life was not going to be the same ever again. So looking at verse uh, uh, 29, he says, tells him that, that to join yourself to the chariot. Go up to the chariot and, and basically introduce yourself or help them to see who you are. And Philip ran to the man. Ran to the man, not just walked, not lollygagged, not I'll make an excuse of doing it tomorrow. He ran to the man to see what to see this man. And, and he hears the man reading through the book of Isaiah. 
he, he sees this man is, is reading and trying to help him understand or trying to understand what he was reading about. And in the end, Isaiah has to ask him. He said, uh, sir, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch, uh, treasurer of all that belongs to Queen Candace, do you understand what you read? And, man, I'll tell you, even as a, as a pastor, a preacher, one that has been through uh, uh, four years of, of biblical training and preparation, there's times that when you sit down to read uh, and study, you still learn things uh, from God's Word when you, when you take the time to truly study and pray and apply it to your life. There's times uh, that you, you will understand things in a deeper perspective than what you ever have before. So he, said, he asked him, he said, Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, and he said, How can I? How can I understand what I'm reading? Unless some man should guide me or help me to understand or, or uh, can you explain things to me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit down with him on his chariot. I would say this was a pretty important thing. This was not something that he was going to allow just anybody to come up into his chariot and sit down with him. And I can't, I can't help but wonder being, and I don't, certainly don't want to add anything to God's word, but I can't help but wondering if he might have had a driver of the chariot, being, of his, being that he was of such importance. You know, maybe he had a team with him or, or uh, traveled uh, with, with uh, an entourage, if you will. That scripture doesn't tell us that. I'm just, just, may, just wondering uh, as we read through. But he says that, that he asked Philip to come up there and sit down with him. Now, can you imagine this man of great prominence in charge of so much wealth being asked to come up and sit down beside uh, Philip being asked to come up and sit down beside him? But see, the, the thing that is, is what I want you to take with you is, is even though this man, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch had such... Uh, uh, power, if you will, earthly-wise, that he had uh, the ability that he was over all of her treasure, all of her goods. He, he was in charge of, of the finances, of the money. He probably would have invested in Bitcoin. But he, he's in charge of all of this. And yet, in the end, when Philip sits down with him, we see truly the Ethiopian eunuch really didn't have anything, did he? He might have had earthly possessions. He might have had earthly uh, uh, value, but he truly did not have anything when it comes to, comes to uh, comparing to what Philip was going to offer him. And it says that in verse 32 and 33, the place of the scripture which he read, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? 
for his life is taken from this earth. Verse 34, continuing. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, tell me whom he's talking about. It says, tell me whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Who's he talking about? Can you please tell me? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So we've reached the point, verse 35, where this Ethiopian man's life is fixing to change forever. He's going to teach him about the one and only, the Savior of the world, the Savior of the universe, if you will, who's going to come and take his children home very soon, I believe. He teaches him about Jesus. Looking at verse 36, And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What prevents me from being baptized is what he's asking uh, Philip. I mean, he's asking, what, do, what is it going to be, what, what has to be done for me to be able to be baptized? What's preventing me from being baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, and the Ethiopian eunuch answered him, and it says he answered him and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, Spirit of the Lord taught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You see, when Philip was asked or called of God to get up from whatever it was he was doing, whatever he had been uh, uh, trying to accomplish at that time, he had been told, get up and go south. Go south to Gaza. And again, that's a that's a long trip. Now, some of you in here today may say, well, I drive to Charlotte every day. And that's not that far of a trip. That's not that's not hard for me to do. But you see, he didn't have a, a car that could get him there in 30 to 45 minutes. He didn't have a, a, a car that could, uh, he, he could just jump in and take off. He may have not even had uh, a camel or a horse. Song riding through a desert on a horse with no name comes to mind. He didn't have that. So he, he's trying to get to Gaza on his own. 
and again, like I said, it's 45, 50 miles. So he makes his way to, to Gaza, and on his way down, he encounters this Ethiopian eunuch. As he does, they begin to talk, and he sees where he's at, sees what he's reading, and the eunuch has definitely become interested in what, what's going on. He's, he's seeing that, that there's more to what he's reading than uh, what he would be uh, uh, first to read, or first to understand, I'll say. And when Philip begins to explain this to him, the eunuch will see his need for a Savior, and he will give his life, heart and life, over to Jesus Christ. And then he follows him in scriptural baptism. Can someone here this morning, and I'm, and I'm finishing up right now, can somebody here this morning besides the scholars, uh, I use that term loosely, referring to uh, the Bible students, if you will, Norman and Thomas, can someone here this morning quickly tell me what the word uh, uh, baptism truly uh, means? Yes, ma'am. Renewal, I can see. Uh, uh, being um, uh, dead to sin and alive in the newness of life. Somebody else? Yes, sir, young man. Salvation would be being reborn from your sins. All right, one of you uh, Fruit Loop College scholars here. John's words, not mine. Baptism. Um, and I'm looking for basically the the root meaning of the word. Um, is is it is the root meaning of the word uh, sprinkle? Submerged or immersion? Um, putting uh, some uh, we would probably want to, uh, and I don't know if we're gonna be able to accomplish this with David or not because he's a, he's a pretty tall feller. Um, holding them under till they quit fighting, you know. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, the the word the root word of the mean, the meaning of the the word baptism or baptismo is immersion. Uh, submerged, as, as uh, Norman said. And while I won't get into the whole argument or discussion now uh, over what other denominations will do or believe, um, the fact is, when we see what, was, what Jesus went through, what John the Baptist did to Jesus, was he, he buried, he, he, he submerged him um, in a symbolic fashion. Um, obviously, there was no need for forgiveness of sin in Jesus' heart. But we also see uh, through the uh, jailer uh, a little further over in the book of Acts, they were baptized. Him and his whole family was baptized that night uh, when the jail doors were open. 
I want you to understand as we close right now that uh, you see there's people that that are going to be baptized today and that is going to be uh, immersion in the baptism tank behind us. They're going to be taken down underwater and brought back up, respectively meaning that they are being buried in their sins, but they're arising in the newness of life. Their old self is dying, and their new self is being risen. They are, are, are being resurrected, if you will, in the newness of life. And that's what I want you to understand today is that you are going to witness something that I personally love to see. Um, and, and it's better that the water be very warm than than ice cold, right? Yeah, I figured y'all would appreciate that as well. So um, do we have our, um, our lady that's going to come and sing? Okay, all right, great. I'm going to... We're going to have a hymn of invitation, and I also would like to ask you uh, to take some time for reflection in your life, and if you realize today that you've never been baptized, I want you to understand that this baptism does not, it, it will not, not being baptized will not prevent you from going to heaven. Did I say that right? I want you to understand that baptism will not lead you or, or, or promote you to heaven. Salvation through Jesus Christ alone is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man no mankind, none of our creation shall come to me but through, or come to God but through me. So keeping that in mind today, where are you in your walk with Christ? Are you in a position that you can truly seek his forgiveness and, and have the right relationship with him? If you're sitting here today and you have uh, been in church your whole life, from the time you were a wee toddler uh, till the time uh, of today, and and you remember being drugged to church as a kid and and frowning and complaining because when we were children and were being taken to church, there wasn't any of the electronics that kids have today that you can have in your lap to play with. That that was not an option for us when I was a child. You sit there and you paid attention. And I'd like for you today to actually un help understand maybe what it is that, that you're missing in your life. Is there something that you've not been through or something you've not accomplished in your life that uh, seems to be a void, seems to have a hole there, and something needs to fill that hole, and no matter what you do, nothing else seems to fill that hole? My question to you. Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you at the point of the Ethiopian eunuch, recognizing that there is something greater than you, recognizing that there is a, a, a far more powerful uh, entity than what it is you're guarding, being the treasure?
Would you take today and make it the day of salvation? Would you realize your need for a Savior? You know, you have to be lost before you can be found. You have to be lost before you can be found. And if you feel the need to be baptized today, I know that uh, Thomas will be glad to stand in the baptismal pool until you're ready to step down in. And, and, and there could be more than two. There could be six or eight or ten. And I promise you that I'm not going home until it's done. The prayer. Praise team would come. We'll have a word of prayer. And would just ask that you have a time of reflection. Would you pray with me? Father God, we again pause today to give you thanks. Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the free gift of salvation. And Father, today as we seek to glorify you and to honor you in all that we do, Father, I pray for uh, these that are being baptized today. I pray that you would help them to see uh, what it is that you're doing in their life. And Father, that they realize that they're dying to the old self and, and raising, uh, washed in the blood of the Lamb, that they're... they're um, a, there's a newness in life that they, they, will, they will see. They're dying to old self and rising in newness of life, Father. Father, I pray that if there be one here today, one that don't know you as their personal Savior, God, that uh, this service would not end, Father, until they have come to know you as their personal Savior. Have your will and your way, Lord, in everything that we do.